to have Dave back with us. A safe trip back from Cleveland. Um, don't tell me how the Colts did today because I haven't seen the game. They were playing Cleveland today down there at Indy. Um, there is today, um, also when you leave, there's uh, some cookies. And out there I made this, this afternoon some chocolate chip. And um, I think some lady dropped by some uh, apple crisp. So it's kind of like going to Dairy Queen and choosing between a Sunday and a cone. A Sunday you've got to get in a cup and you can't drive. And a, and a cookie or a cone, you can just eat that on the way. So you make the choice whether you want to stay and have apple crisp or you have a cookie on the way. It's your choice today. So uh, they are out there, so help yourself to those uh, afterwards. Um, so today we're going to look at um, 1 Corinthians 7. Um, we left off at verse 6 last week, pretty much unfinished where we wanted to get, but we're going to try to cover 6 through 16 today. Um, and there's just, as I read through this this week, there is um, one phrase that really stood out to me. Um, that I think will help us maybe tie all this together because this is a this is a difficult passage today because um, we've already read in Genesis God's intent for a man and a woman was to to be together to marry um, they were to become one uh, one flesh. And I was reading this week, you know, not only does uh, Paul mention that here, he mentions it again in Ephesians. It's quoted, uh, and the two shall become one, and they shall uh, live together. And that's a lifelong thing. And, you know, that is, a, that is a mystery. That is a bond that God takes very seriously. That bond is like unto our salvation, that we have the spirit living within us and we no longer are just floating out there as unbelievers or whatever, but we become one with Christ. And that's a mystery too, but, but it's something that by God's power and God, by God's plan and by God's purpose, those things take place and they are a mystery and they are powerful and they are God's plan and God's purpose. And it's just, a, it's an amazing thing. And I say that because we know that God doesn't change. God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. The world and its standards and, it, as, and its morals and its ethics, they change. But the standard of God, the standard of God is the same always. And I say that because... In churches today and in the world today, the divorce rate is over 50% within and without the church today. Um, not God's intent. Not God's plan. One important thing happened. Sin entered the world. And it's a mess because of sin. But I want to tell you, as we look at this tonight, God brings, God brings order God brings healing. And as we look tonight, God brings peace. And God offers always, and I don't want you to miss this. God offers always, always. And I don't know who I'm talking to tonight, either on the airwaves or here, but God always offers grace and forgiveness. He just does. 
And there's, we teach that to the children. There's nothing that, nothing that we can do that is beyond the power of God to forgive if we truly come and humble ourselves and submit to his plan and his purpose and, and his, his offer of salvation through Jesus Christ and his shed blood on the cross. Um, we were just teaching the kids on Wednesday night about Ahab and, and Jezebel and Naboth's vineyard. You know, what an awful thing. And at the end of that story, Ahab humbled himself and God forgave him. Would we do that? I don't think I would. But God did. It's not beyond God's grace and forgiveness. And so as we read tonight, we're going to read 6 through um, six through 16. And, and the phrase that I want to kind of premise all that we want to talk about tonight is in the second half of verse 15. And it simply says, at the, second, uh, the last part of verse 15, it says, But God has called us to peace. God has called us to peace. And it says in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And that peace can also be interpreted reconciliation. And it's not a treaty. It's not a contract. It's not something we negotiate. It's a peace that is brought to us by grace. Because we are at enmity with God, born that way because of our nature. We are enemies. And yet, Paul also writes in Romans, while we were yet sinners, while we were yet enemies with God, God offers to you and I peace, reconciliation, forgiveness, peace. And in the Old Testament, we're going to get to the passage in a minute. But in the, in the Old Testament, the Hebrew word salom has many, many connotations, many, many interpretations. It can mean favor, prosperous, safety, welfare, welcome, unharmed. This is one of my favorite. Good news. Soundness, harmony, rest. And in the New Testament, that word peace is, is a different word but it has many different interpretations or many, many layers to it. It's a little more descriptive. It can mean security, tranquil, a wall about, as a friend, um, well-being, reconciliation. We've already talked about that a little bit. Completeness, satisfied, contentment. Serenity And that serenity, in one of my dictionaries, it says that serenity means a a life derived from living a full life of grace with God. Serenity. You You know, it just comes down to one word, peace. And God has called us to peace. Not confusion. Not warring with one another, but to unity, to reconciliation, to peace. And he offers to all who come, believers and unbelievers, who come and submit to the word of God and humble themselves before God and say, Lord, the the thing that I want most and first is reconciliation with you because my sin has gotten in the way. And Lord, please take that and forgive me. And he offers that yes to us. When we come that way, 
peace to us. He's called us. He is a God of peace, and he's called us to peace, to reconciliation, to fellowship with him, to unity with him. So much so that he has placed his spirit within us, and we are one with Christ. We receive that righteousness. It's a mystery. It's a, how can God do this? But thank God he does, because there is no other way to have peace with God, but through what he offers in Jesus. God has called us to peace. And so we want to look in this passage tonight. um, Number one, peace in circumstances. And number two, peace pursued in relationships. And number three, or point three, a peace that pursues righteousness, fellowship, joy, and God's will, which we trust and we know that he only wants the best for us and for others around us. Uh, Let's get to our passage, verse 6 through 16. But this I say by way of concession, not not of command. Yet I wish that all men were even as I myself am. However, each man has his own gift from God, one in this manner and another in that. But I say to the unmarried and to widows that it is good for them if they remain even as I. But if they do not have self-control, let them marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. But to the married I give instruction, not I, but the Lord, that the wife should not leave her husband. But if she does leave, she must remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband, and that the husband should not divorce his wife. But to the rest I say, not the Lord, that if any brother has a wife who is an unbeliever and she consents to live with him, he must not divorce her. And a woman who has an unbelieving husband and he consents to live with her, he must not send her husband away. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified through his wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified through her believing husband. For otherwise your children are unclean, but now they are holy. Yet if the unbelieving one leaves, let him leave. The brother or sister is not under bondage in such cases, for God has called us to peace. For how do you know, O wife, whether you will save your husband, or how do you know, O husband, whether you will save your wife. Father in heaven, we thank you for the peace that you have brought to us through the cross. And we thank you for this passage tonight, uh, relationships and um, things that in our world cause much hurt today, uh, much anger, much jealousy, and all kinds of things come from these relationships in marriages and all of these things. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a minefield to navigate. And Lord, we just want to, we want to look at your word tonight. And Lord, we just ask for your help. You know, we, we just, we want to come to you seeking um, to better understand. Uh, we seek uh, your help in not only understanding, but Lord, if it's necessary tonight, we, we seek your grace and your, uh, it's, that's always necessary, I guess, your grace and, and forgiveness and so many things. And Lord, we just want to uh, yield to your word and to your will 
and to your holiness. Um, we want to look at these things and just uh, hear from you, hear clearly. And Lord, there's, there's, uh, each life has a different story, has a different path. But Lord, they, there's only one path to heaven. And that's through the forgiveness that's in Christ and for his blood on the cross that was shed for us. And so, Lord, we, we know there's no peace that's really lasting other than the peace that you offer in forgiveness of our sins. And so, Lord, help us again as we study and as we look at these things. Help us to just uh, be discerning, uh, be careful, and to be uh, kind to one another in all things. Uh, so, bless our time together, and thank you for each one that's here tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. A Life of Peace is the title of our message. Uh, the Gospel of Peace, Prosperity, um, Rest, uh, Security in Christ, uh, Reconciled to God through Christ, Peace from God as, as we live, as we uh, navigate this world. And we're going to start in verse 6, and Paul says... We've already talked in the beginning of chapter 7, teaching on marriage. Um, there was some confusion in the um, Corinthian church. And we've looked at many things that they were confused about. That Paul wanted to clear that up with clear teaching from God's word and, and clear doctrine. Uh, and here, as we looked at in the beginning, because of some of them that maybe were married to unbelievers or they had been uh, idol worshipers and they still wanted to frequent the temple where there were prostitutes. And some said, no, I want to be super holy. I want to just be celibate. I want to give up my wife. I want to, I want to just concentrate on God. Should I do that? And so he's taught about this because of immoralities. We can, we can have a wife. It's not wrong to have a wife. God set that up in the beginning. Man and woman for each other, a helpmate. A husband must fulfill his duty or his kindness to his wife. And likewise, a wife also to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, also the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. You know, I read one commentator this week that said, you know, that marriage takes a man or a woman and takes them to the higher level where they care more for someone else than they do themselves. They're responsible for that other person, and that should be mutual to one another. It lifts them to that level where they stop thinking about themselves and start thinking of others. And so it's important that we understand that unity and that togetherness and that uh, like-mindedness, both within the marriage and within the church, it's important. And so he also talks about stop depriving one another or trying to be celibate except for by agreement. So agree on that together. Talk about that and do it for just a short time. So that, so that you can devote yourself to prayer and to concentration in prayer for uh, the things that are, that are important. Maybe even fast together, but come together in an agreement for a time for prayer, for concentration together before the Lord. And then come together again in husband and, as husband and wife and fulfill your duties to one another in that marriage situation. That is not wrong. That is right, and that is good, and that is the order that God has declared it to be. And he has a reason why. So Satan will, Satan will not tempt you. Don't let Satan have a foothold. We talked about that. Then in verse 6, where our first point, peace in circumstances. Peace in circumstances. 
But this I say by way of concession. And that word concession, uh, not just that he's letting us happen, but it's that word at its base means by the way of awareness and understanding. By the way of awareness and understanding. Not a command, but just be aware of what's taking place. The temptations that are out there and what the Lord has said about these things. You're still in that marriage. You're still committed to that and to come together in agreement over things. So know what the, know what's happening. Know what's happening around you. Be aware of those things and an understanding. It's not a command. In other words, you don't have to fast for a certain amount of times or pray for a certain amount of times or be celibate. But just be, by way of concession, in agreement and aware of what takes place and the temptations that come from that. And live that life together in agreement before the Lord and love one another in the midst of that. And love the Lord together and love the Lord yourself in times of private worship, but also come together and do that too. Um, I'll tell you, there's nothing, there's nothing that'll bring you closer to your mate than to hold their hand and pray with, with, pray with them before the Lord. Agree on that. Know, know the temptations of denying one another and just not by way of command, but just by concession. Be aware and understand what's taking place. So in, in life circumstances and what comes up, yet I wish all men that were even as I myself, Paul says. However, each man has his own gift from God, one in this manner and another in that. So, you know what he's saying there? In life circumstances, not everybody's the same. Newsflash. Not everybody's wired the same, thinks the same, made the same. But I'll tell you one way that we are all made the same. We all need forgiveness. But not everybody's gifted the same. Paul was gifted in many ways. I wished I could sing like some people can sing. There's so many people that have a good voice, and I didn't get one of those. But that's okay. Be at peace with what God has gifted you with and where God has placed you. Paul says, I wish that everybody was as myself, able to not be married, able to serve the Lord wholly with all my life and, and do what God wants me to do and follow that. But some are to be married and some are to be not married. Some are to be um, celibate. God gifts different people in different ways. Each man has his own gift, one in this manner and another in that. And let me just tell you this. No gift is a higher plane and a higher holiness than somebody else's. You know, some people think that if I go to the monastery and live that holy life and only, and I think Pastor Bill talked a while about a uh, while back bit about a while back about a bit about a guy that just was in a monastery and only allowed to speak so many words. Oh, how holy. They're just way holier than everybody else. No, they're not. No, they're not. They may devote themselves to different things, but not higher than others, but what was good for the individual and his gifts? That's what Paul's saying. In life circumstances, in how you're gifted, live that gift out and live for the glory of the Lord. And some of those things with peace with God that we can look at in, in life circumstances is you can ask yourself, what honors God? What can I do that honors God? And as I live this life that God has gifted me to do, as I live it, what does it sanctify me? Does it grow me in my faith? And then thirdly, what builds up others around me? We can all do that. 
We can all do that. And he says, I wish that all were like me or gifted like me, but I know that's not true. Some have this gift, some have the other. One's not higher than the other. Each, each one is gifted. Each one is gifted in his own way by God. So he says, use that gift for God's glory. Use that gift in a way that honors God. Use that gift in the way that grows your faith and sanctifies you and grows you closer to God. And use that gift that builds up and encourages others around you. In life circumstances, in other words, live at peace. Live at peace with God and with others. It's important to do that. In fact, it tells us, I think it's in um, Romans twelve eighteen. It says, uh, from our side or from all that's possible for you, what? Seek to be at peace with all men. Seek to be at peace with all men. Seek that. You know, we see, it, we see a world out there that is angry when somebody gets in their way. I just read last week about a, a road rage. A guy in a truck on an interstate. Somebody cut him off and he pulled his 18-wheeler up beside the pickup truck and rolled his window down and started throwing stuff at the pickup truck. And caused a big wreck on the interstate because of what? Somebody got in his way for a few seconds. That's not peaceful. That's not how God would have us live in life circumstances. He would have us use our gifts to honor God, to glorify him, and to grow our own faith and to build up those around us. And he also says in life circumstances, there in verse 8, he says, But I say to the unmarried and to the widows that it's good for them if they remain even as I. So the unmarried or those that are widowed or the widowers, um, you don't necessarily have to be married. Uh, to be single can be used of God in many ways. To be married can be used in God in many ways. Is there a good or a bad? Not necessarily. He says to the unmarried and the widows, don't, don't seek rush in to be married again. Um, my own dad made that mistake uh, after my mom died. Um, he was, he just, he rushed into another marriage and it was a mistake. It was a mistake. And it, it caused heartache in his life and in our lives. And so just be careful with that. Just know that you just evaluate that situation and don't be in a hurry. Honor God right where you are in life circumstances. Be at peace and content with that position that God has placed you in now. Unmarried or widows or widowers remain, even as I. But, Paul says, but in life circumstances, evaluate. If we do not have self-control, it's okay to marry too. Let him marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Or what? It's better to marry and be at peace with yourself and with God and live a life that honors God, either in married or unmarried. Be at peace with that. Be at peace before God with that first and then be at peace with others around you. So it can go either way. You can be unmarried and be at peace. And if you say, I can't be at peace at this, I, I want a wife again or I want a husband again. And I would have I would look for that. Actually, I, I read one commentary I thought was really good this week. He says, don't try to look for that perfect person. Be that perfect person. Be that person that serves the Lord and is, and is seeking the best for others around. Be that person. And so Paul says, peace in life circumstances, whatever it might be, honor God. Be, be at welfare. Your welfare is, at, is right before God because you have accepted Christ as your Savior. 
you are secure in him and whatever life circumstances bring, that can be honoring to God. But just be aware, be understanding. Uh, Different situations can all work out to be at peace with God. But the first and foremost thing is I think take your time and pray. Take your time and pray. And seek God's peace and will in that situation, in that circumstance, whatever it might be. Whatever it might be. Peace in life circumstances. Secondly, I want to talk about peace pursued in relationships. And this begins in verse 10. But to the married, I give instructions. Not I, but the Lord. And I think he's probably referring back to the Gospels where Jesus talked. What Jesus taught about marriage, um, we could go back to uh, Luke. Uh, I don't know if it's Luke or is it? It's Matthew, I think. Matthew. Uh, yes, let's go back to Matthew. It is in Matthew. Um, so I have a note on that. I know I had a note on that. Matthew 19. There it is. Matthew 19, verse 1, when Jesus had finished these words, he departed from Galilee and came into the region of Judea beyond the Jordan. And large crowds followed him, and he healed them there. Some Pharisees came to Jesus, testing him and asking, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason at all? And he answered and said, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Again, Jesus goes back to Genesis and says, here's the way it was set up. Here's the way it was planned before sin entered the world. Here's the way that God had in his perfect purpose for man and woman. And here is the perfect scenario, and then sin entered the world. And um, so they said, so they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. They said to him, I can just see him. Well, then, Jesus, answer this one. Why then did Moses command to give her a certificate of divorce and send her away? He said to them, Because of the hardness of your heart, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it has not been this way. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for immorality and marries another woman commits adultery. The disciples said to him, if the relationship of the man and his wife is like this, is it better not to marry? But he said to them, not all men can accept this statement but only those to whom he has given the gift. He goes on to talk about eunuchs and celibacy, but here he says, you know, the issue is the way God set it up and God intended it. And also the bigger issue is it leads to adultery. It leads to adultery. So that said, pursue righteousness or pursue peace in relationships. Verse 10. But to the married, I give instruction, not I, but the Lord Jesus gave these instructions that a man should not leave her husband, 
But if she does leave, she must remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband. And that the husband should not divorce his wife. So basically, he's saying, be reconciled, be rejoined in peace, in reconciliation to one another. Otherwise, remain faithful, even though not together. Um, I'm glad that Paul isn't just saying this, but the Lord Jesus said this. And not just, not just I. Peace in that relationship. Reconciliation. But to the rest, I say, not the Lord, not the Lord, but if any brother, and, and here he says, but the rest, I say, not the Lord. And he's saying that because Jesus didn't give specific teaching on this. Okay. But this is still penned by the Apostle Paul, and this is the inspired word of God. So this is still authoritative. This is still authoritative. Some people say, well, the Lord didn't say it, so... Well, no, this is authoritative, the authoritative word of God. We believe in the, the complete inerrancy and inspiration of God's word in the scriptures. And Paul was used of God to give us this teaching. So it has authority behind it. It has the Lord's authority behind it, even though he says, but the, to the rest, I say, not the Lord, that if any brother has a wife who is an unbeliever and she consents to live with him, he must not divorce her. And a woman who has an unbelieving husband and she consents to live with with her, she must not send her husband away. And there's a benefit for both. And we're going to talk about that in a second. But that 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 husband that's married to an unbelieving wife, and there may have been some here and they had questions about what should I do? Should I divorce her? Should I send her away? And there may be that unbelieving, uh, that believing wife that's married to an unbelieving husband. What should I do? What God has joined them together, that union has happened, that bond and one and the two became one. And whether one's an unbeliever or one's not, it's not the best situation, but God honors that situation. And whether it's a husband or it's a wife, we care about that other person or as believers, we care about that other person and want to help them. And our first priority, and he's going to talk about that at the end, whether you take it negatively or positively in that last verse in verse 16, we first and foremost, I think as believers, should care about that person's salvation and want to be a witness to them, want to live a life and a testimony before that unmarried spouse. God would have us continue in that marriage and be faithful to that. And if that one leaves... If that one leaves, we can, we can stay married and wait and still have communication with them. We're not bound by that. He's going to talk about that. We're not bound to, to, to that, to, to the marriage, but we are to bound to that union. And so the big thing is in this relationship, believers that are married should not divorce. But if one commits adultery and the other one leaves, there's all kinds of situations. There is, there is so many situations, so many things that need to be taken into factor here. But the bottom line is we want to be at peace with God in our relationships. We want to care for others more than ourselves. We want to honor God in our lives. 
And whatever that looks like or whatever how that situation works out, we need to take that before the Lord and say, Lord, help me with this. Help me to understand this. Help me to navigate this. Help me to have peace with this. And Lord, most of all, most of all, help me to have courage to do what's right in your sight. And it does take courage sometimes. It does take courage. But God's teaching is clear on this. The marriage is to be remain. And if they separate, he's not to marry another. And if he can be reconciled, he's to wait for that reconciliation. Um, he should wait for that, not divorce his wife. Unless she has committed adultery, there's, there's some factors, all kinds of factors. But the, the best scenario, the best scenario is to come back together and to be reconciled in peace before the Lord. And to honor God in our relationships, in our marriages. And a woman has an unbelieving husband. Uh, She consents to live with her. Don't try to divorce her. Stay in there. Stay in that marriage. Don't send that husband away. It's benefit for both you and for... It's both benefit for you and that unbeliever. For the unbeliever, unbelieving husband is sanctified through his wife. And the unbelieving wife is sanctified through her believing husband. For otherwise your children are unclean, but now they are holy. Doesn't mean they're saved. Doesn't mean they've got salvation because there's a believing spouse in the house. But it does mean there's the benefit of God's blessing upon that believer. And that believer living with that unbelieving spouse and those children within that house receive that blessing of God because of that believer within the house. And I want to encourage you, if there's someone on the airway today or someone living in that situation, continue to be faithful to the Lord your God at peace with him and seek to bring that peace in, first of all, salvation for your spouse and for your children, that the peace that God brings is the only peace that lasts. It's the only peace that's eternal. The world offers you peace and hope and all those things, but they're over tomorrow. And we're looking for it again. God brings peace and and serenity and security and a wall about you. Serve him and honor him. Grow in your faith and build up those around you or lead them to the Lord. It's an important testimony you have, even if you don't talk about Jesus every day. It's an important testimony that you get up on Sunday morning and grab your Bible and go to church. It's important that they see you pray. It's important that they see you read that Bible. And it's important that they see you live what you say you believe before them. And that sanctifies that, that, that wife or, or husband. And that covers the children with at least the gospel message. And it's important. It's an important offering of peace in relationships that a believer can bring into that situation. Peace in circumstances. To the married Christian, no divorce unless for uh, adultery. A Christian and an unbeliever married committed to honor God and to help others come to the Lord and to, and to bring them to an understanding of that peace that you have found in Christ and it's benefit for the unsaved in that household and for the children. Um, and I want to, I want to tell you children, you know, that God can work in so many ways through kids. 
and that that child hears that message of salvation, or mom can take him to an ABC Kids Club, or take him, let him go to that good news club after school, and kids work in so many situations. They become little missionaries. They pray for mommy and daddy. They witness to their uncles and aunts and their grandmas and grandpas. Don't underestimate the power of a child. I was called on the carpet today. In our, we had 17 kids in our, in our class today back there in junior church. And it was, a wonderful, it was a wonderful experience with those kids. We were singing a song and learning a verse. And Helen was standing by one of them. And they said, hey, Grandpa Boyle's making a mistake there. He's not making the sign for Jesus when he says Jesus. And Helen says, Grandpa Boyle, we've got to take a moment here. And we've got to get back on track. The kids want to know why you're not making the sign for Jesus when we sing this song. We need to do that. And we stopped and we started again and we did that. Called to the carpet by a little one. But don't underestimate the influence of your witness in that home, not only to your spouse, but to the children in that home. You can bring peace and healing and salvation in life's relationships. Pursue peace in relationships. Peace that honors God in that relationship. Peace that grows your faith as you trust him in that relationship and remain there. Peace that will build up others around you or bring them to salvation. And lastly, we want to get to this uh, last part here in uh, verse 15 and 16. Yet if the unbelieving one leaves, uh, let him leave. The brother or sister is not under bondage in such cases. It doesn't tell us whether to remarry or not remarry. It just says... Let them leave. Be at peace with that. Be content with that. But also, I would say, pray for that one. Pray for reconciliation. Pray that that one would still come to salvation. But don't be at war with them within the house. You don't know what's going to happen. So it says, don't let them leave. But God has called us to peace. There it is. God has called us to peace. And then whether you take this as negative, you don't really know what's going to happen so let them leave, or you don't know whether your influence will save them. For you, How do you know, wife, whether you will save your husband? How do you know, husband, whether you will save your wife? Um, and I just, I put in my Bible, hope in the Lord's mercy and grace and his ability to work in the midst of our circumstances. And our last one is peace that's peace that pursues righteousness, fellowship, joy, God's will, the best for others, the best that brings peace in the home and in our own lives. And I think Paul writes in uh, Romans, um, I think it's Romans fourteen seventeen. Romans 14, uh, 17. For the kingdom of, yes, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Be at peace with God and in circumstances in life, be at peace with God and pursue it in our relationships, be at peace with God and pursue righteousness and joy. Those things, those things are of the kingdom of heaven and they can be a part of our life now as we prepare to go there. Um, Philippians two, um, let's just go there. We'll finish there. We're, we're a little long, but that's okay. Philippians chapter two, 
Paul says that there, therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, any, infection, any affection or, and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent in, on one purpose. You know what I'm reading there? Be at peace, joy and contentment. And, and togetherness and unity in the spirit. Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of, remind, of mind, regard one another as more important than yourself, not merely looking out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourself, which also was in Christ Jesus, who came and offered himself on the cross for you and me. God is the God of peace, and the gospel is the gospel of peace in our lives. Seek that. In our circumstances, whatever they might be, in our relationships, however that may look, honor God, grow in our faith, encourage and build up one another's and bring others to the Lord and pursue that peace of God that is righteousness and joy and fellowship and all of those things that are part of God's character This God offers us peace, forgiveness, grace, mercy in a right relationship with him because God has come. God came so that we could have that peace that God brings to us and we can have peace with others as we serve him and willingly submit to his word and to his will. Um, Lastly, I want to say, I don't know if I've hurt anybody's feelings tonight, but I love you all. And, uh, we just, we want to understand God's word. We want to submit to it. And we want to be at peace and unity with one another and uh, love one another and uh, grow together in, in peace before the Lord and humility and kindness. Um, let, us, let, let us have that goal to pursue peace with God and one another and seek him in everything to honor him and glorify him in our lives. Father in heaven, we thank you for this time together. Thank you for your word tonight. Thank you that you love us. You came to offer us. Yeah, we've talked about peace a lot tonight, but you came to offer us eternal life, salvation, the forgiveness of our sins. And yes, completeness and wholeness and satisfied in you, in you first. And Lord, you help help us with so many things in life. We just ask for your help in, in relationships. We all have if it's not a spouse or it's a brother or a sister or it's a son or a daughter, help us with those to seek peace and restoration, to seek you and joy and seek that for others. Help us with all of these things we pray tonight in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.